This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. The Capital One Venture X business card earns unlimited double miles on every purchase. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash VentureXBusiness. A warning, this episode contains discussion of suicide. The very good new film, The Iron Claw, tells the story of the Von Erich family. They were a big deal in professional wrestling in the early 1980s, with patriarch Fritz directing several of his sons into the sport with disastrous consequences. The film features Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White, and it considers the way Fritz's version of masculinity and strength echoes in the lives of his sons. I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about The Iron Claw on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This message comes from NPR sponsor Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Caitlin, a teen reeling from her parents' divorce, steals a valuable bird in order to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner that leads her to a new outlook on life. Don't miss Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom understands that not everyone is starting from the same place and takes that into account. With their first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, you can find a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. And NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Joining me today is NPR producer J.C. Howard. Welcome back, J.C. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I want to say first that going into this movie, I had read the Wikipedia page about the family, Mm -hmm. and I was glad I did because it prepared me a little for what comes along in the film. It's a very sad story. If you don't want to know the basic outlines of what happened to the Von Erichs, feel free to check out the movie and then come back to us because we are going to talk about the family story. So just know that out of the gate. In The Iron Claw, Fritz is a former wrestler and the father of the Von Erich family. He's played by veteran character actor Holt McCallany, who you might recognize from Mindhunter and a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. In real life, Fritz had six sons, five of whom died. One died as a boy, the other four died as young men, and three of them died by suicide. 
In the film, one of the sons who died by suicide is omitted so that Fritz has four sons who are alive in the 1980s when the family is ascendant in wrestling. The oldest and the one who survives to this day is Kevin, played by Zac Efron. His brother, Carrie, is played by Jeremy Allen White, who's recently been so acclaimed for his work in The Bear. The other brothers, Mike and David, are played by Stanley Simons and Harris Dickinson, and Maura Tierney plays their mother, Doris. According to its writer and director, Sean Durkin, the Iron Claw tries to get at the damage done by Fritz's punishing treatment of his sons, who revere and fear him, and the vision of what it means to be a man that he forced on them. The Iron Claw is in theaters now. JC, you're a wrestling fan, which I'm not. So I am particularly eager to hear what did you think of the Iron Claw? Yeah, so I would describe myself as a recovering wrestling fan, given especially where where the sport and the entertainment is today. It's it's gone in a direction that's iffy to me. But um I will say that I went into this movie expecting it to be about a very particular era of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like this era when the Von Erichs were big was kind of a explosive time for pro wrestling, as you mentioned. So I thought we'd see a bunch of impressions of one day Hall of Famers in their early days. Yeah. And we saw some of that. But overall, I would say that this is not a pro wrestling movie. Obviously, wrestling is very much in the background, but it's as much about pro wrestling as Titanic is about a boat. Yeah. This is a story solidly about Kevin. Um, It's about the loss he experienced And the kind of dueling desires that he has. On the one hand, he has this desire to succeed. And on the other, he has this desire to have just like a normal family. Like there's a speech in the beginning where Kevin is listening to his dad talk about the importance of success. And I think that that scene was less about Kevin learning about success and more about him learning how to relate to his dad. Like his dad valued success, so he valued success as a way to connect with his dad. And that kind of sets the tone for this movie to be less about pro wrestling and more about family and grief and mental health. I read someone called it the Manchester by the Sea of wrestling movies. And I think that that's right. Interesting. I think it was a little melodramatic at parts, but it is, it's a proper tragedy. It really is. And, you know, I watched an ESPN short film Mm -hmm. called Wrestling the Curse. Yeah where they talk to Kevin, and Kevin talks extensively about his brothers and his father. And still to this day, he says his father is the greatest man he ever knew. No part of the direction of the family has caused him to really question the tactics of his father or the intentions of his father. Whereas when I watch the movie, it's like, to me, he's setting these guys up to be very good at pushing through pain Mm -hmm. and injury and ignoring it and then pushing through grief and trauma. Yes. They're not really prepared to kind of manage it. That's right. With the aftermath of each of these deaths, the father is mostly thinking about, like, what does this mean for the family wrestling empire? Right. And he moves very quickly into, like, well, your brother died. Now we have to figure out who's going to essentially yes. wrestle in his place. That's right. So the guys don't really have a chance to process any of this. And you get this, there's a scene where the mother, played by Maura Tierney in a performance I really like, is saying, I can't wear this dress again. Yeah. Because it's it's her funeral dress. Yeah. But she feels like she's worn it so much yeah. at this point that people are going to see that she's wearing the same dress to every one of these funerals. Yeah. Which is not a fear 
that, you know, most people have to go through. Right. I did feel like sometimes this movie was so overwhelmingly sad that I had trouble even making anything out of it mm. except how sad it is. It's such a tragic story. That was one of the things that when I first heard this movie was going to be made, I was questioning why they were doing it. You know, with a sports movie, usually you have this kind of uplifting tone to it. And this is such a tragic, sad story that I'm like, how are they going to actually make it into that sports movie that is uplifting? And and to, to some degree, the fact that Kevin is a survivor, the fact that Kevin is alive to this day, that is that kind of uplifting bit to it. But there is no like, you know, triumphant moment where they win everything and, you know, all their sports dreams come true. It is very much more a personal kind of victory of like just survival. You watch this movie and it's so incredibly tragic. Yeah. And then you realize it was actually worse than this. That's right. There is actually a brother who died by suicide whose name was Chris. Yeah. Who they don't even deal with in the movie. Yeah. The director has talked about how that had a lot to do with just managing the length of the film, which is, I mean, think about realizing I don't have time in this story to tell the story of every one of their sons who died. That is an astonishing kind of thing. And I... I had that feeling during the film of like, what is this movie for? Yeah. Is it just looking at this horrible situation? But I I felt over time like, you know, one of the things people talk about with this family is this idea that there's a curse, right? right? Yes. That the family is cursed. Yeah. And it's sort of like, no, they're not cursed. I don't believe in curses. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that all of these deaths are not connected. Yeah. That doesn't mean that what happened to this family is just extraordinarily bad luck. You know, there are genetics involved in depression right. and and mental health, yeah. but also they were all raised by the same right. person who really like they do not question him ever. Yeah. And there are some times when it's clear he's asking them to do something that they don't want to do. Yeah. And they always just say, "Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's not a curse." But it is a family problem. And I I think ultimately that was sort of what I took away from it. And that's what makes kind of the story of Kevin, like, why is he the one who is alive now? And I think you're right. He's a little better in the movie. He's a little better at interrogating emotional things. He's a little Mm -hmm. more willing to. And he meets a young woman whose name is Pam, played by Lily James. And I think that relationship opens him up a little bit. And he's a little more able to think about emotions and life and everything through her and through that relationship. Because it is interesting to think, like, why this one guy, you know? Yes. I think you're right. I think the relationship that Kevin has with Pam, his wife, I think that's what saved him. Uh, And I think Lily James is such a silver lining to this Deeply grief-ridden film. I think it is arguable that Pam and the family that she gave Kevin has saved his life in a way that his father and his father's effects on him would have destroyed his life. There's a little coda at the end of the movie that really goes to highlight how Kevin seems at peace now. It's Mm -hmm. great that they did that. It would have been even better if they could have shown how distraught Kevin was in some of those moments. Like you see him hollow out throughout the movie. Every loss that he experiences, he's kind of a a shell of a person to begin with because of the effects of his father. And then he hollows out more and more and he kind of dissociates more and more throughout the movie. 
And like, I would have loved to see like with the crash bang wallop, like this is how Pam and how his children saved his life. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about the other thing I noticed about that. I Hmm. I think everybody who sees this movie will probably notice about it, which is the physicality Hmm. of the performances and the actors. It's interesting because a few years ago, Zac Efron talked about how the kind of, um, regimen that he went through for Baywatch Mm -hmm. when he got very, very ripped was really like punishing and difficult. And he thought it made him depressed and Mm. he didn't think it was a good idea because these bodies are not really attainable. And then you see him in this, which is maybe even more exaggerated. Jeremy Allen White is maybe not quite as big as he is, but is real big. It's really interesting to see how the physicality of these actors plays into the kind of, I mean, you have to sort of show the brutality of wrestling because injuries are also one of the things that played a big part in their lives. But like, it is a lot to watch these gigantic guys just slamming themselves on the ground. Yeah. And I think to your point, Zac Efron talking about how getting into this shape causes depression. I do wonder if he uses that as motivation because that is very much central to his character, right? Like going through this journey of of mental health, depression, grief, loss, sadness, at the same time, like having to balance that with making your body look better and better, getting into peak physical condition while you're falling into the depths of yourself mentally. And what's true about pro wrestling for better or worse, I would say probably for worse, is that In reality, this is what happens, right? You go through this grief and you soldier on. And I want to talk about Sean Durkin, who wrote and directed this film. I've read that he was thinking about telling this story for a long time and that the death of Carrie Von Erich was actually impactful for him. And you can see in the film the reverence that he has for this family and for their story, but also to some degree the reverence he has for professional wrestling. Like the production throughout the movie is kind of invoking the grandeur of professional wrestling, but then balancing it with this deeply internal pain that Kevin is feeling. And then the camera work overall is just gorgeous. Like there are a lot of these super emotional moments where instead of being focused where the action is, you're hearing the super intense moment, but the camera is focused on something else entirely. For instance, there's this big world title match that Carrie is having. And all the while, the camera is focused on the mom watching at home. Or like during an intense training session with Kevin and Carrie, the camera starts to drift. And it's kind of just like drifting its focus to the mat and like what's beyond the mat. And these moments are really evocative and beautiful and make this a really great film to watch. Yeah, I think it's beautifully made. It it also, I will say, as somebody who doesn't really watch wrestling, Hmm. I felt like this movie was kind of the most I've ever kind of understood. Mm -hmm. Like, they have the Lily James character say to Kevin early on, it's fake, right? Yes. And he says, no, it's not fake. And, like, listen, on the one hand, he's (laughs) in the business. He's going to say what he's going to say. But it helped me understand, like, scripted. But performing, yes, and there's still such a thing as being good at it, yeah, right? Yep. There's still such a thing as, you know, being able to do these things effectively. Yeah, you still can get super, super injured. That's right. And that's all 
entirely genuine. And I yeah. felt like this film was very good at kind of walking that line where it acknowledged the way that f- matches are sort of mapped out in yeah. advance. Mm-hmm. But it also left room for the fact that every once in a while something happens yeah. that somebody didn't know was going to happen. And people get into these incredibly intense things and they're not – now, they're not ballet dancers. They're not necessarily going to do absolutely everything and yeah. absolutely the way you expect. Right. They haven't rehearsed it 4,000 times exactly this way. Right. Yeah. As a like not wrestling person, mm-hmm. I appreciated the movie's ability to kind of, I think, work with that in a way that is very respectful, as you say, yeah. of what these guys do, but also kind of deals with that tension about what's kind of planned and what's not. There's one time when Kevin kind of says to his dad, like, well, I didn't know he was going to do this. Like, he wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah, Stuff happens. Yes. I appreciate you bringing that up because I want to dig in a little bit on this as a wrestling movie, quote unquote, or rather like not a wrestling movie. When I think of a wrestling movie, I kind of think of a a spectrum that has – Ready to rumble on on the one end. It is a comedy. It's very slapstick, very silly. And it's all about the spectacle of WCW, which is World Championship Wrestling, and professional wrestling of that time, which is like the late 90s, early 2000s. So when I think about wrestling movies, I think about a spectrum that has Ready to Rumble on one end and The Wrestler at the other end, which is from, I want to say, 2008. Those two movies are wildly different. But I think what they do is they feature at least one big emotional moment in the ring, right? And they establish the importance and significance of professional wrestling to their characters. Uh, Whereas in the Iron Claw, wrestling is just the family business. It's what Fritz did. And so it's what the kids did. So it it could have been an auto body shop. It doesn't really matter because the story is about Kevin and his desire to hold some bit of his family together. The movie did have a lot of reverence for the skill and Maybe even I would say the art of pro wrestling. Yeah. Because as you said, there is this moment where Kevin explains to Pam how a championship belt still carries significance, right? It's still important, Mm -hmm. even if the matches are predetermined. It is very meaningful for them. So it doesn't have a lot of like wrestler cameos or big, you know, emotional in-ring moments where the character like wins the belt. But it is still like respectful and reverent of professional wrestling. Yeah. And I want to touch on before we close, I want to touch on the performances in this movie. I think I think Zach Efron acquits himself pretty well for somebody who yeah. at one point was perceived as, you know, high school musical guy and I think right. has been trying to get away from that and has had some nice performances and done some good work, but I think is kind of still trying to get people to take him fully seriously. Yeah. I think he does well yeah. in this part. It's a very tricky part. This is a very complex guy, and it it's a role that does not give him a lot of opportunities to use his kind of glittery yeah. smile right. side. And I think he does. I think he does fine. Yeah. I think that's right. I think he does fine. He is playing a man who is, as I said, growing more and more hollow throughout the movie as he experiences loss after loss without properly grieving. So I couldn't tell whether or not some of those choices were choices, right? Whether they were Mm -hmm. him saying like, this is a point where this man would dissociate more and more, or if he just didn't have the range to get there. And I think I'm coming out of this movie believing that he was making a choice to appear more and more hollow because he's been known for the like 
beautiful eyes and wonderful smile. And even in this movie where he's got this like Adonis-like yeah, physique. I do too. But I will say I loved Lily James, as I've said before, and Maura Tierney. I think that Pam and Doris respectively are rarely talked about when you hear about the Von Erich family. If you read the Wikipedia page or if you've watched any documentaries or anything about the family, you rarely hear mention of Pam and Doris. And I think that both of them brought something to this film that you couldn't get in some other place. Mm -hmm. There's this Vice documentary series called Dark Side of the Ring, uh, and there's an episode about the Von Erich family. And the question is, should you just watch an hour-long documentary about it, right. or should you go ahead and right. watch this movie? And I think it is worth watching the movie because of the extra things that they delve into, like delving into the relationships of the women in their lives. Uh, even though you lose a whole son, you lose a whole Von Erich child, but you gain mm -hmm. a lot when it comes to the women and what they were experiencing. And like, there's this moment where Lily James kind of really pulls Kevin back into reality where he's like, he is dissociating. He's just like depressed in bed, can't move. Mm -hmm. She wakes him up, so to speak, and says like, hey, you have children here. They need you. I understand that you're experiencing this loss. And it's done so subtly yeah. um, that I think that with these women kind of playing these roles, it's very much worth seeing this movie. Yeah. And I will also say there is a, a, a kind of a very small arc that probably takes up about two minutes of screen time that is about the relationship between those yeah. two women yes, and the way that they relate yes. to each other when Pam first comes on the scene and the way that they relate to each other after all of these terrible things have yeah. happened in this family that they both, you know, became part of. I really, I liked yeah. both of those performances too. I think the performances in this are good. And I think there's a lot of talk about Holt McCallany getting a an Oscar nomination or some kind of nominations for yeah. playing Fritz. It's kind of a big Oscars-y part yes. in a way because he yeah. yells a lot but i do think he brings a lot of kind of dark reality mm -hmm. to it so i i wouldn't have a problem with that yeah i think it's a good movie well i am curious to hear what you think about the iron claw when you get a chance to see it find us at facebook.com slash pchh that brings us to the end of our show jc howard thank you so much for being here thank you very much for having me this episode is produced by liz metzger and hafsa fatima and edited by mike katsif our supervising producer is jessica reedy and hello come in provides our theme music thank you for listening to pop culture happy hour from npr i'm linda holmes and we'll see you all tomorrow Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. There are election stories, and then there are the backstories. Every day on the Consider This podcast, we take a closer look at the biggest news story of the day and dig into the context behind the headlines. Get a better sense of what's happening and why it's happening in this election and across the nation. Listen to Consider This every day, wherever you get your podcasts.